Thanks, Melissa. Can we give Melissa and our kids a big round of applause? That was awesome. Anybody else find themselves feeling jealous of these little kids? There's just such a sense of wonder and curiosity and joy that if we're honest, it feels like some of us lost that along the way. Like, it seems like for kids, it's just like the way of being is innocence and wonder. And then as we get older along the way, there may be moments of wonder, and, but innocence feels like that got lost somewhere. I remember, I remember how old I was and where I was when I just remember feeling like I felt a sense of loss around innocence. Remember, it felt like the world shifted. I wonder if you can remember that moment for yourself. For me, I was around 10 years old. My best friend Russell and I, we would hang out and watch the Three Stooges. Anybody over 50 remember that? Yeah. Don't show it to your children. It's like, doesn't teach uh, anything you saw up here this morning. It's really odd. Like these like friends that just like abuse each other and slap each other around. I remember I just like loved the Three Stooges. It brought me so much joy. But then we watched this um, biopic that came out about the, the brothers who acted as the Three Stooges. I remember the story was just so sad. Not only were they cheated by a manager and they had been lied to, and, but many of them actually had incredible stage and performance fright. And so I remember there was one brother who before he went out to perform as an adult, just wetting his pants and other brothers to get him into it would just slap him and just like, come on, get into this. And there was just this desperation that I remember just feeling like, man, the world isn't a joyful place. That's really hard. And I remember it almost like opened up a window for me. Not only was I watching, you know, the Three Stooges with my best friend Russell, all of a sudden now that this innocence was lost, I felt like, oh yeah, we're watching the Three Stooges not at Russell's parents' house, but at this trailer that Russell's dad lives in. And the reason Russell's dad lives in this trailer is because he's been behaving badly. And this is like girlfriend number three's trailer. And there's a lot of brokenness around here. The only reason we watch Three Stooges is because we're hanging out with Russell's dad, and this is the only appropriate thing he has for children. It felt like this innocence was just lost. You know, being an adult is awesome. For, for kids out there, I, I, it's great. You're waiting for it. It comes. It's great. And it's slightly overrated as well. It's really nice to be able to come home when you want, go to bed when you want, take the car wherever you want. But sometimes it feels like innocence and wonder can quickly be replaced by responsibility, guilt, and shame. And that loss can leave us feeling lost. And that can be really hard to face, that feeling of being lost. What if we feel that way because we really are lost. It can be really hard to admit that reality. Because look, part of the, when we talk about being lost, we can lose innocence. We can lose innocence because things have happened to us. You know, people have hoisted brokenness on us. Be that abuse, be that just hurt, harm. That can, that can cause us to experience a loss of that innocence. But we can also, if we're honest... In those quiet moments, we experience a loss of innocence because of choices that we've made. We can call them mistakes, 
Well, that's very gracious with ourselves, right? Like if we just want to face reality for a second, those mistakes, those intentional things that we've done, those harsh words, those injustices, those cheating and stealing and taking, the Bible has a word for that, and it's sin. And the question is like, well, why do we sin? Do we, do we sin and that makes us lost? Or, uh, but maybe, yes. But also, what if we sin because we're lost? Right? Like, so take, take a car, for example. If the transmission is blown in a car, it does not matter where that car is. Right? If it's in the, rest, the parking lot of a, the fanciest restaurant in town, what is that, CC's? <laughs> or if it's in a parking lot at Wendy's. Or if it's in the driveway of the wealthiest person in town, or if it's in the yard of the poorest person in town. It doesn't matter. That car ain't getting you anywhere. It doesn't matter where it's intending to go. What if, what if we're lost? See, being lost can be really scary, and the especially scary thing about being lost is what if no one's looking for us? What if we're lost and that's just it? Well, the scripture that we just read and the good news of Christmas wants to open us up to a different perspective. There might be a different way to see ourselves. We might be lost, but there's really good news. Someone's looking. We're not alone in being lost. Listen, this is verses 9 and 10 of Luke's biography about Jesus in chapter 2. We just read them, but I want you to hear them again because it's really great. Luke is trying to really make the point, it's not an accident that these angels appear to these shepherds at night. It's dark. Shepherds were not nice people. The Talmud, which is like a kind of like a commentary in the Old Testament, it says like, hey, we don't take shepherds' words in court, right? You think about it, it makes sense. They kind of travel around. They get involved with like not nice behavior. Not nice people. They're lost. And the angel shows up at night. And listen to what happens. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. What's happening here? Innocence shows up to those of us who feel lost, and when we are face-to-face with innocence, we are terrified. And you notice what the angel does. Right? The text says that they, it literally says they feared a great fear. Okay? Have you ever cried? Anybody here ever cried? Just me? Jeez. <laughs> Where are we? Baltimore? Come on. Has anybody here ever cried? All right. Has anybody here ever had a good cry? All right. The text is going to say they were afraid. They had a good fear. They were terrified. This rough and tumble group of folks, right, with their Harley tattoos, all right, are terrified. And what does the angel do? He's like, boo. No, no, no. Look at what he does. He's not like, that's right. We are scary. God's here. Look busy. No, no, no. What does he say? Verse 10. Don't be afraid. What? Don't be afraid. You see, you see what's happening here. The angel is removing obstacles. Right? Fear. Ah! God's here. He's innocent. I don't feel innocent. This is terrifying. No, no, no. What if God really does want to interact with us? 
What if God really does want a relationship with us? What if we're lost, but what if someone's looking? That has the power to change your identity. That says something different about who we are. That's hope. So how do we move from a dark night? They came in a dark night, right? How do we move from a dark night to a holy night? How do we move from fear and terror and trembling? They were greatly afraid to what it says in verse 14, that they left rejoicing. How do we move from a dark night to a holy night? So it's still night. It's still dark. People still get cancer. People still get laid off. Kids still leave home and only come home a couple times a year. There's pain. There's hardship. How do we move from a dark night to a holy night, a night divine, without ignoring the realities of darkness? Do we just have to turn that off and say, oh, it doesn't matter? How do we move from a place of real loss to a place of joy? Is that even possible? Or is that just like a nice ideal? How do we do that? If you pay attention to Greco-Roman stories, so anybody in here read the Iliad or the Odyssey? What's really cool about Greco-Roman stories is there's kind of a formula. So when a divine being shows up, we're getting narration. So it's really nice. Like Homer's like, okay, you may be lost in some of these weird names. Here you go. A divine being's going to show up and help you understand what's going on. Luke borrows that formula and uses it to tell a true story, but he borrows from that formula. The angels in Luke's gospel are providing narration. They're helping us understand what's happening. So they're saying, okay, hey, a lot's been said here. A lot of claims have been made. These angels showed up and said, don't be afraid. God's trying to remove obstacles. And we're like, well, how does he do that? What's going on here? And this is amazing what the angels say. Look with me at verse 14, or just listen to this. This is Luke 2, 14. The angels provide narration. They explain what's going on. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. That setting right of things that have been broken. Peace. Peace on whom his favor rests. I liked all the kids that were sitting up here. I liked all of them. They're all very cute. They're all great, especially your kids. But there were two kids who were sitting up here that as I watched them, oh, just a big smile and joy. I was like, he's wearing his Dodger hat. Take that, Missouri sports fans. (laughs) Just a lot of joy. Why? They're my kids. My favor rests On those two, that's what the angel is talking about. We can have peace in a dark world because what if God likes us? He's not just looking for us. He's looking for us to welcome us home. He's looking for us to have relationship with, to be known and to be loved. St. Clair of Assisi was right A thousand years ago, when she said, it's not about what we know, it's about who we love. 
Look, if this story, this Christmas story, doesn't make any sense apart from love, right? It, the, the shepherds, when they go to see Jesus, they're terrified, right? We read that in verses 9 and 10. They, the angels show up, they're afraid. But what happens later in verse uh, 16? It says, they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. But Mary treasured these things. What does it say about the shepherds? Verse 20, they returned glorifying and praising God. Literally, it says they, they returned glorifying and enjoying God. They returned with joy. What went from fear to joy? How did we get there? God's favor. We strongly believe that the Christmas message is about God's unmerited favor. He likes us. And he likes us because he's good, not because of things we've done. We're lost, and he's delighting in us. He's welcoming us home. And, and that, that feeling I get when I see my two kids up here, that I'm just so happy they're here. I'm happy to be their dad. I'm happy to be with them. We call that joy. And the angel said this to the shepherd, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce you good news of not just good joy, great joy. We have a God who moves toward us, who likes to be with us, who delights in us, and who really does love us. And the side effect of that is just joy. What are the obstacles that God is removing for you this morning? I don't believe it's an accident we're in this room together. I don't think just that really nice coworker of yours has been hounding you for a while to come to Christmas. I don't believe, even if you've been at Compass Church for a long time, this is your church home, you've been here for a while. I don't believe we're in this room this morning by mistake. I believe we're here, just like what the angel said to the shepherds. Don't be afraid. God's trying to remove obstacles. God is trying to remove obstacles between you and him. Or as the theologian John Ortberg says, God will let anyone into heaven who can possibly stand it. God is not hard to find. He's not off in distance. He is near and he's moving toward us. And the question is, are you going to see it and receive? The ball's in our court. God, God's unmerited favor is the invitation this morning. Will we receive or will we stay at a distance? Will we stay in the darkness? Will we try to find our way on our own? Or will we come home to a God who really does like us? Not just love you. He, he, he has to love you, right? But he likes us. When Jesus was introduced to the world as an adult, God did not say, Behold, this really great believer who's always right about everything. Take a class from him. He said, behold, my dearly loved son in whom my soul delights. Listen to him. He's pointing us back to a relationship where because of Jesus, God says the same thing about us. If we're in Jesus, if we know Jesus, that's true of us. We're a delight to the Father. And that's an identity-shaping truth. We're not lost. 
Someone was looking for us, and when he finds us, it changes everything about us. And that's why we sing joy to the world. There's a lot, it's no secret I don't like the Kansas City Chiefs. And I apologize for that. It may feel rude. If you're new here, like, why, why is he so mean to the Chiefs? It's just because of where I grew up. Where I grew up, it, it, the people who loved on me, it was just customary to be a total jerk to every other sports team ever out there. And I grew up in New England, so, all right? Just, they loved me first. That was an identity-shaping thing. And, but also with struggling with, with the Chiefs, I've also struggled with Christmas. Like, oh my goodness, it's Christmas again. Didn't we just have it? I have to buy them a gift? They bought me a gift. Now I'm, oh man, this is so hard. Oh, another party? Oh man, more presents. I'm going to get so fat. Oh, this is so hard. This is a lot of work. But I joyfully jump into the holiday season and I love it. Because the message of Christmas, clearer than anything ever, is God loves us and he's coming after us. He is for you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. And he is relentless. That creates joy. And that's why we sing joy to the world. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.